1: Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem-solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios.
0: TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand.
1: Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here, along with former NFL quarterback and rising star media personality, Sage Rosenfels. How are you, Sage?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, went to that game last night and hopped in the car and drove five and a half hours in the dark back to Omaha. got it here at one. I think uh, I was sleeping with all of my clothes still on at (laughs) 101.
1: (laughs) I was tired. So you had lots of time then to think about what went wrong for the Vikings against the Chicago Bears. So there's lots of future things to talk about, and we'll get to those on this podcast. But give me your thoughts from being there in the press box, watching that game on what went wrong for the Vikings offense against the Bears defense yesterday.
0: Well, third down execution, right? I, they were 1-3-11 on third downs, and you know, there's a lot of complexities that go into third down and and matchups and what do teams play and all these things but at the end of the day that's the down that you have to find ways to get first downs and that's where this team struggled this year uh this quarterback struggled this year and has struggled the offensive line struggles in this those situations they don't seem like they can really run the ball in third and two or third and three so they have to throw the ball yeah it doesn't seem like they can pass protect and you don't have a quarterback who can then you know make up for that deficiency so it's just a real bad combination uh and it that's to me the story of the football game yeah there were some good plays here and there uh you know i I think they could have done more play action more screens there's things that i think that i would have liked to see them do a little bit more but when you don't complete uh uh, first downs on third down you're just not on the field for that many plays uh and you don't have a lot of opportunities to be creative and drop you know i'm sure there's a a couple of screens in there he'd like to call it probably couldn't get to him uh and you know not they got to find ways to get first down on third downs and they didn't do it in that
1: football game so i i was thinking about this a lot yesterday and just the need for the quarterback to step up and make a big play and it just seems like all of kirk cousins teams walk away disappointed that when they need the big play he's not going to be the one that Dodges three pass rushers and rolls out out of the pocket and makes that sweet throw downfield or something like that. That's just not ever going to be who he is, and I'm I'm not sure how to work around that when it comes to playing against teams that are as talented as the Chicago Bears. I, I saw all sorts of criticism for the offensive line, and, and they deserve it. There was a lot of pressure on him as there has been all season long, but there were also Times where there wasn't so much pressure and there just wasn't anybody there for him to find, it seems, or he couldn't uh, extend a play or, or make something else happen. So I guess uh, what's on a lot of people's minds, Sage, is just is this a quarterback that's ever going to be able to win big games as long as he's here as a Viking? That's what the question that I'm getting from almost everyone who's thinking about the future of this team you know, on Twitter or emails or wherever else.
0: So, uh, you know, nothing's changing here seems like to me of what you know kirk was in washington in a lot of ways uh, and what the opinion of uh, fans in washington uh, who were seemed like more than not were, were happy to let him go you know we sit here and we focus on one football team fans focus on one football team so their only real way of going and knowing uh how kirk did in washington or how cam newton did this year or what are Jameis wins is to look at stats and stuff and in the past Kirk has always put up pretty good stats with too many turnovers, but you know, only really Washington fans and people really follow closely know how good he was. And, and I think, you know, this is the deal. This is how good he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the team is going to have to find a way in the next two years, because they've got two years here uh, to try to, in every way possible, load up their roster to be as good as possible. So he doesn't have to do that much. To win football games, I think that's basically what it is. Um, it's not, I don't know about how much of changing the system. I'm sure there's a lot of things you can do uh, to try to uh, improve his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. But this team has to find a way to lower up their roster. And there are spots, obviously, that offensive line that is going to be a huge uh, uh, issue in the offseason draft, free agency. They may have to cut, there might be a surprise cut or two. Mm hmm uh maybe along the defense maybe it's Xavier Rhodes you know maybe they say hey we love Mike Hughes he's gonna come back healthy You know, Trey Wayne, or we're just gonna go and we're gonna not spend all that I don't know but there might be a, a casualty over there not San Anthony Barr back but they have to get a great offensive line quickly and that doesn't happen very often to you know try to get that Dallas type of offensive line where you know a Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott can look like great players because the line is so good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can they do that literally in the next six months? That's the question.
1: Yeah, I think that's going to be hard to do. Let me ask you more about that in a second. But I wanted your takeaway about the Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins blow up on the sideline. We got plenty of explanation from both about how it was a great conversation, right? And, And yeah, I'm sure that was the case. Um, but those two having a blowout like that on the sideline, you just don't see it all that often. Uh, you know, you sometimes you see maybe Tom Brady yelling at his wide receivers or something else like that. But a receiver and a quarterback going back and forth like that, I have not seen that in, in the time that I've covered Adam Thielen. So it's not like it's just a Thielen type of thing. Uh, what was your takeaway as a former quarterback?
0: Um, not good. Not good. I wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have done that, not in that situation, not in that game. I wouldn't have done that in a meeting with a player, you know, in front of the whole team and we get an argument over how a route should be run. And and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't do that. I would do that with the player by myself in um, in the quarterback's mean room. Mm -hmm. And like, Hey, this is how I'm confused about this. This is how I want this route run. But if you do this, one, I'm going to be you know, throwing the ball too early. And two, I can't hold the ball on for that double move that you want to do. I know you want to do that, but I don't have time. Mm-hmm. And to get on the same page, I would not have done that in front of the team. I would not have done that in front of the you know, 65,000 fans and uh, the TV audience. And it's not a good look. And and Othelan you know, stood there and he took it. And that seemed like later on he gave it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not good. And, and Othelan's you know, a very fiery guy. We saw that with Belichick earlier this year. You know, he's a high tipper, you know, he wears his uh, motions on his sleeve. But, Mm -hmm. you know, he sat there the first time and and Cousins, you know, went at it and and told him what he wanted and yada, yada. And then he came back again and did it again. Um, That just seemed like big time frustration to me. I mean, this offense is frustrated Mm -hmm. uh, about their inability to execute and stay on the field. And, you know, they're having all that success early year and then boom, they, they're not having that, and, you know, very frustrating, and you uh, go, you know, a team that won 14 games last year to a team that won eight this year, you're going to have a lot of frustration.
1: Yeah, and I wonder, is it frustration just boiling over, or is is that a surprise to see in any situation? Because, you know, I, I mentioned this on Twitter. I don't know if I said it on last night's Purple Podcast, but it reminded me of back in minicamp when Kirk did the same thing to Phelan on the sideline where those two were in, in front of the media in front of the whole rest of the team arguing about routes. And I I hadn't seen it too many times throughout the year until the game against Seattle, when the broadcast caught Adam Thielen saying it's been there all bleeping day, which is very unlike him to say something like that as fire as he is, he usually doesn't use those words. Um, But then to see it again, Thielen is going to argue all day long with us about it. doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything, but I've got to imagine any wide receiver with the type of resume that Adam Thielen has to to be sort of embarrassed like that on national television, have it replayed a million times over and over again and things like that. Uh, that that can't be a good feeling for him.
0: Well, they're both going to say the right thing here uh, because they're pros in that sense. And they understand that we're you know, the media, you know, I guess us, you know, everybody there, are going to try to make into a big deal or I guess think it is a big deal, I, I should say. Um, and, but they're going to downplay it. So I will say this, it is a healthy discussion to get into those arguments that, that is actually a really good thing in a way. Uh, you know, sometimes, you you know, I get arguments with my son, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather have us talking than not talking at all. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it is that they're trying to get on the same page there, but you got to think and it looked like to me, they were probably either talking about a corner route, but I think they were talking about a post route. Uh, like a cover to Bender post and, and, uh, week 17 should not be, we we should be that late in the ball game or that is, you know, those types of things are still up for, um, up for conversation. You know, that's a pretty standard route and there's different ways you can run it for sure. Uh, but, uh, it should be something that you'd be creating this big argument at the end of the year. So whether it's Kirk or whether it's Adam or it's both or whatever, um, man, that's, that, that's a really important connection. Uh, going forward for the next couple of years for the Vikings, both those guys have to, uh, you know, hopefully it's, it's not, I don't, and I don't think it was personally was two fired up guys who were frustrated trying to get something right.
1: Mm-hmm. Looking forward here, um, Tom Pelicero, our buddy from NFL network who comes on the station all the time used to do this very job that I do now. Um, he reports today that Ziggy and Mark Wilf uh, sat in on the final team meeting and they, uh, reiterated their belief in Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman and they will not be making changes as an organization so we will have more Mike Zimmer more Rick Spielman as we go forward do you think sage that this is a situation where you want to make a change or i mean you look at Mike Zimmer's record and it's 47 32 and 1 that's pretty darn good they're in the NFC championship last year i could see why they wouldn't want to pull the trigger now that they would want to give him more time but do you think that changes are warranted when you come so short of what your expectations were
0: i don't think so not yet Uh, i I think it's ridiculous that people love to move on so fast Mm -hmm. and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't but many times it doesn't we know mike zimmer is a good coach uh, we don't know if he's a great coach. We do know he's very good on the defensive side of the ball. And I think that's important. You know, Gary Kubiak, who I love playing for at Houston, you know, there's many times he went, uh, I think we went six and 10, eight and eight, nine and seven. Uh, maybe they went nine and seven again, or, you know, they, 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 they sort of stuck with him for a while and uh, ended up having a nice run there. But the the thing is when they were just sort of average, it's like, well, should we ha- fire him or not? The offense was always very good. Mm -hmm. You know, Matt Schaub went to the Pro Bowl and and led the league in in passing. You know, Andre Johnson was putting up huge numbers. They were scoring a lot of points. So it's hard to go out and find a really good offensive coordinator that can do that, right? It's very hard to find a defensive coordinator, i.e. the head coach, Mike Zimmer, who consistently has is really good at his side of the ball. So at least he's good at defense. We just got to find a way here. Uh, to get this offense figured out and to be, uh, you know, is equally dangerous or to play complimentary football, Kevin Stefanski likes to say, uh, to protect the quarterback, to complete third downs and stay on the field and keep the defensive off the field. Uh, you know, we got to figure out this offense. And that is something that is something that Rick Spielman, and I've known Rick since 2002. It's one thing that he has. Sort of continue struggle with is trying to find that quarterback, trying mm-hmm. to find, uh, an offense that's a strength, you know, and, and not this is, you know, a defensive football team always been really good about finding defensive players. Maybe that's just he's a, he's a better scout defensively, but he finds, you know, guys like Daniil Hunter, uh, you know, these great athletes, uh, in, in the draft. He does it offensive players too. Uh, But he does miss on the quarterback, and and they've missed on offensive line. And that is the number one issue going forward.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that it warrants big changes because of how many times they were there and had opportunities, and the roster they put together, and the defense they put together, uh, the things that Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer are responsible for, aside from the offensive line, which also seems to be a Rick Spielman-Achilles heel and I'm sure we'll go back a million times and talk about how they did not draft or sign an offensive lineman last year. But when you look at the roster, e- even though I, I, I feel like I was like the original on that take, you know, like way back when on draft night, I, I have gotten frustrated by its age because in a lot of ways, I feel like that offensive line conversation has washed out some of the other problems that we just haven't, you know, or that I, I don't know. I feel well, like, it all, I feel it like the excuse. offensive line.
0: The offensive line uh, sort of is the the offense. Like nothing really can happen in the NFL with a, with a bad offensive line. You can't run the football. You're not going to pass protect. You know it doesn't really matter what great designs you draw up or or great routes you draw up. And man, this is going to beat this coverage if we can't, you know, one on one left guard. You know, be able to block a. Uh, a three technique one-on-one or something like that mm-hmm. and, and this line really struggled I mean Kirk last night I, think, I believe it was a slant he went back held it just for a second on a three step and he got hit on a slant route you know uh and so the, they really really struggled And they got like worse and worse as as the year went on at times and you know 30th in the league in rushing 93 rushing yards a game so you know that is what, what happened between last year and this year, you know, obviously, you know, Tony Sperano passing away, or that was you know probably a big thing, a different offensive coordinator, with a different identity who just didn't seem to want to run the ball, you know, in third down short situations like being uh, in the shotgun a lot. Right. So, um, you know, obviously the players, those are the, the sort of the three aspects they are going to have to change. They're going to, uh, you know, I'm sure make some cuts and, and add some guys and draft some guys and, um, I'm sure try to get a better O-line coach. You know, that's something that we haven't really to You know, I hate to just rip on coaches, but man, they need to find a really good O-line coach and a good scheme that can take average O-line and make them work together and and, uh, and not be exposed uh like they were exposed this year.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, I do think the offensive line coach is something that isn't talked about a lot for obvious reasons. You know, if that leads ESPN, uh, they probably wouldn't have a station, but um when you look at Seattle and the way that they've improved on their offensive line i think a lot of that has to do with somewhat the roster overhaul and and the players but also their offensive line coach too i just where i get a little frustrated is you get into a conversation about different things that they need to do in the offseason and how They can improve Kirk Cousins and things like that. And it ends up always circling back. It's the offensive line. It's the offensive line. It's the offensive line. Well, I've got like nine months before I need to uh, cover a real game again, and I can't just rip on Tom Compton for nine months. Um, So they are going to have to uh, hire an offensive coordinator, Sage. Is it Kevin Stefanski, do you think, or should they look elsewhere?
0: Well, I I think – First, it starts with the offensive line coach. You know, there, there's a saying in, in coaching circles that if you ever get a head coaching job, the first person that hires the offensive line coach. Mm-hmm. That's the first, or, or actually the strength coach and offensive line coach. So those are the first two people you want to hire. It's so important. It, it trickles down to the rest of the football team. And when you watch film, uh, you can tell a good old line, uh, co- well coached offensive line from bad off, uh, bad coached offensive line in about, five plays you really can you you can tell very quickly how guys are moving how guys are working in synchronization uh you know what's the detail you can see that so you know that is the number one issue now the the next question is is Stefanski creative enough and a good enough communicator and and designer and caller of plays that with the right offensive line coach with the right offensive line this this quarterback and, and offense can be effective uh, that that is a very good question. That's something the the Vikings are going to have to answer.
1: So, what what in your opinion is the number one thing that they need to look for in an offensive <coughs> offensive coordinator? I mean, creativity is something that we're always going to say you want your Matt Nagy, you want somebody who can find ways to maximize the skills. But how do they maximize the skills of a quarterback who has some pretty gaping holes in his game, the pocket presence not being there? I mean, a lot of times these offensive coaches will say stuff like Pat Schirmer would say, it's the players, not the plays. And you often get a really special play out of a quarterback, but you don't see that too often with him. But on the other hand, he has a great arm. He's very accurate and he can throw the ball down the field. He can execute the play action. But, but is that, is that going to be like, can you just do play action all the time? Not, not really. Right. So what is it that they need to look for as far as attributes in the next offensive coordinator?
0: You know, I, I think he goes through, I might have someone do a study or something on, on Kirk cousins, on Kirk cousins, of Washington on Kirk cousins, this year, the good, the bad and the ugly and how they won and, and how, you know, games were lost and figure that out. What can he do? What is he best at? What combinations, what, uh, you know, situations? You know, was it more play action and more screens and things like that? Was it more naked bootlegs? Um, You know, does he have to have a dominant running game? You know, what, what is, it? is it? How does he do an empty? You know, because he can see the whole field then. Uh, I think they try to go out and, and figure out what he's best at when they can also and also obviously figure out what, what really has hurt him over the years and when he threw too many interceptions and why and, you know the sacks and fumbles and things like that, and figure all that out, uh, and then you try to maximize that because they got good players around them. You got you know good receivers. Uh, you could probably get a, a tight end that's a little bit more vertical. That'd be a nice thing to have uh, at this point. Um, they, the running game was uh, you know bad this year, but it wasn't the running backs. They got good players there, so you know it's a design and and also. You know, where are these offensive linemen? Who do you have, and who do they get? You know, hopefully uh, they go and get some big guys so they can ground and pound. That would be very important. I would, I would think they're going to get some big offensive linemen, uh, any way possible.
1: So on the, um, I'm curious about your thoughts on the defensive side because you and I have spent a ton of time breaking down the offense. Naturally, is your forte the quarterback in the offense, but also uh, on the defensive side, they were good. but not quite as good as they were the year before. And then yesterday when they needed a a big stop, they gave up a 16 play drive that included five different third down conversions for Mitch Trubisky. Um, First of all, I think it was a great decision to leave in Trubisky and eliminate your division foe and really put the Vikings in a spot where they need to answer questions about their coach's future the next day. Uh, I think that's probably a, a thing they're celebrating in Chicago. But also, th- did you see something on, on that side of the ball, or was it just Chicago executing, they were running successfully, and then Trubisky made the plays when he was supposed to make the plays?
0: Uh, so you're talking, yeah, I, I think defensively, and that's a good question, because that that drive, and the Vikings brought it back 13-10, to 10, and were like, okay, they got momentum here, mm-hmm. Then you're also sort of thinking that the Bears might shut it down at that point. You know, the Rams were up by about three touchdowns or four touchdowns and, and the opposite thing happened. The Bears go on that huge drive. The Vikings, uh, I believe have a turnover, go three and out or something. And boom, that was the ball game. And, uh, and, and that was it. So defensively, what I saw, it seemed like to me our issues actually, uh, on the inside, you know, Sheldon Richardson might be a good pass rusher, but I believe, I didn't believe he was that stout against the run. They were getting pushed a lot of teams, I feel like, got pushed right up the middle against this defense this year.
1: Oh, they they definitely did. Uh, They they definitely did in that game. I thought that Kyle Long being back was a big deal. He's a a really good offensive lineman, and they have a good interior line. I think we see how they've gotten so much out of Mitch Trubisky. Uh, What did you think of the decision to keep their players in?
0: I like that decision. I mean, they were so far into it at that point, and again, it may have been almost that that last drive. You know, who knows if if they don't go on the 16 play drive, the Vikings get the ball back, the Vikings go up, and the Bears go. You know what? We're not going to get our, our our players hurt for this. You know, who knows? But they did the, did the drive, and obviously, the Stars basically finished out the game. And I think that was the right way to go. You know, you had to go into the game thinking they had to win the game. And uh, so you're going to play it, you know, throughout, and and uh, you know that's what happens. So I think, yeah, I, I I like your thought of it also. Sort of throws the Vikings into controversy because they did mm-hmm. make the playoffs, uh, and that would be you know good for the Bears going forward.
1: Okay, I want to do a quick hit thing with you here, Sage. I made up a checklist for the off season, so I want you to just give me your what you think is going to happen for each one of these things. Okay, is that cool with you? Yeah. All right, let's go. Hire an offensive coordinator is first on my list. Do you think that it is Kevin Stefanski or someone else?
0: I think it's going to be someone else, and Kevin will go back to quarterbacks coach. And it doesn't actually even mean that Kevin's not the you know a coordinator at some point. It's just that they you know really want to go out and get a a. a, a I don't know or, or Kevin. I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I don't know. Kevin could keep that job. I think it's more offensive line coach. You know, my guess is they can say, Kevin, we want to, we want to run the offense. Some of what Pat Shermer did two years ago. Mm-hmm. Kevin goes, yes, I can do that. We just got to get a, an offensive line coach and offensive line to do that. Uh I, I think he might have a chance of keeping that job. You know, I, I think he did what he was supposed to do in these three games and, said your team goes one for 11 on first down and and can't you know protect the quarterback. I don't know what you can really do as an offensive coordinator. He was put in a really tough position these last three weeks.
1: I wouldn't be surprised to see him back because I think there's going to be support from Kirk Cousins to get him back. And I, I do think if there is someone in a, in a way of going about it that can maximize Kirk Cousins, and, and we've talked about that in great depth, the different ways to do it, that Stefanski knows those ways. And also I think he probably figured out along the way how to communicate with Kirk Cousins as well and sort of what makes him tick. Okay, next one. Franchise tag Anthony Barr or no? Ooh.
0: What's the the franchise tag has to be a big number, right? For outside linebacker, 12
1: million? Last year it was over 12. So it's going to be higher than that. (laughs) I don't know. I, I don't know if.
0: You know, he's such a good athlete and does a lot of good things. I like him blitzing more than I like him dropping the coverage, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's best when he's just using that athletic ability. But we're, we, we're, this is one of those spots. there. You know, it's $12 million that could go to an offensive lineman. You know, go after the best guards and tackles uh, in this uh, in this free agent market. I'm sure there'll be some good ones. I have no idea what, who they are or what that situation is. But uh, I think they're going to want to spend their money uh uh, on the other side of the football so i i'm gonna go ahead and say no
1: okay same with uh re-signing sheldon richardson
0: i'm gonna say no on that also i think sheldon richardson might be a guy who puts up sack numbers but as an every down defensive lineman i i thought he got pushed around a lot this year with a lot of interior runs for six seven yards
1: and his price tag will probably be somewhere in the range of $14 million based on some of the other higher-paid defense tackles. Might not quite be worth that much. Uh, next one, extend Trey Wayans. He's going to play on his fifth-year option next year. Does he get a long-term contract extension?
0: Yeah, I think so. And the reason I say that is I think that Xavier Rhodes is, uh, whether it's this next year or, or at some point, I think he will be cut. You know, I, I wasn't, it didn't seem like a shutdown corner to me, uh, that is worth that big a paycheck. And that just, you know, he's been injured some. Uh, and I think Wayne's is going to, is sort of, he's, he's, he's sort of the next guy in line for that contract. And then at some point he'll get that contract and, and Rhodes would be gone, uh, soon after.
1: Okay. Move forward with Laquan Treadwell or let him go.
0: I think move forward. I think uh, he probably needs a new place to go, and the Vikings need some
1: new, uh, you know, new competitive uh, uh, uh,
0: depth at that position third, fourth, fifth wide receiver.
1: Yep. I agree with you there. It's time to move on. They can do it with his uh, salary cap hit. There's a very small dead cap hit. And how about this for a stat? You love your stats, Sage quarterbacks targeting Laquan Treadwell over the last three years have a 66.8 quarterback rating. So basically they turn into uh, Jimmy Clausen when they're throwing to Laquan Treadwell. So not good.
0: (laughs) No, that's not very good. That's an interesting stat, by the way, what the quarterback rating is for the receivers, basically, in a sense, you know, how good the quarterback plays when he's throwing me the football. That, that's uh, that's an interesting because that goes into you know separation or reading coverage the detail uh, drops uh, you know all those types of things and and obviously quarterbacks don't do very well when they're throwing the ball to him.
1: Now here's a, another one that's sort of interesting to me is the restructures with Kyle Rudolph and Everson Griffin are both restructure candidates. What, what do you think happens with Griffin? Do you think? I mean, I, I just feel like they wouldn't move on from him, but at the same time. That's a lot of cap space that he took up to be just okay this year.
0: Yeah, I, he did seem like just okay this year. And, you know, now it does help when your team is winning more. And, and that, those the guys in that position uh, get more opportunities to sack the quarterback. But, you know, Daniil Hunter, to me, played like a, a uh, an elite defensive end. Yes. Uh, this year, not Khalil Mack, but an elite defensive end against the run, against uh, rushing the passer. Uh, Everson, did not seem uh you know that good uh compared to daniel so yeah i don't know what his salary is for next year i know he has that big contract you know maybe that's cut in half you know i'm not really sure but i don't think it's worth paying him that i said there's there's other spots that really need uh need upgrading
1: okay now this might be the most important question i ask backup quarterback trevor simeon is a free agent which journeyman quarterback will be backing up Kirk Cousins next year? Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Now that would be fun. That would be some entertainment.
0: <laughs> yeah. Must see TV. That's what the, yeah, the training that, camp that would, would be,
1: be well attended. I think
0: it would be. It would be. Um, you know, that's a, that's a good question. We you know he did play, he did play great in the preseason, did not play great in the preseason. No. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I know for even a moment, I feel like they're, I feel like Zimmer wasn't very happy with him in one preseason game. So, you know, there might be a new spot to move on there. I'm not sure if it's, you know, somebody, you know, that, uh, uh, is going to take Kirk's job. I, that's, I don't know how that could ever happen, you know, but yeah
1: definitely not.
0: There's a spot by the way, to, you know, keep drafting uh, you know, young quarterbacks, you never know. I mean, obviously in, in two years the Vikings can move off from Kirk Cousins if they want to. Uh so, you know, either developing some young guy or um, you know, maybe somehow they draft a guy in the sixth round and Kirk gets hurt next year and he just becomes uh, you know, Tom Brady. And the Vikings win <laughs> a Super Bowl. They cut Kirk, just take the twenty eight million dollar hit in year three, and the Vikings found their
1: quarterback. Oh man. Uh you know, the most I said this right after the draft and I'm going to stick with it. The most annoying thing to say about the Kirk Cousins situation is what if they had just drafted Lamar Jackson and kept Case Keenum because Lamar Jackson's in the playoffs and Kirk Cousins is not. Could have done yeah. it. Could've yeah. Yeah. Well, it.
0: and then the thing is that of course they could have, they always do that. You know, I mean, teams could, could have taken this guy. I mean, everybody yeah. could have taken Drew Brees. Yep, everybody yep. in the NFL, he was, you know, the first pick of the second round or whatever. So, um, yeah, they always do that. Lamar Jackson, by the way, looking back, you know, if this, if this offensive line was better, let's just say they went out and they did pay a whole bunch of money for more offensive linemen and not gave that $28 million to Cousins and draft, uh, uh, uh Lamar Jackson. He was a quarterback this year. You know, that style of football that he plays. Uh, just make defenders the defense try to stop the run and he's such a good athlete uh he's such an explosive player that style could have been interesting to watch uh to match up with this defense this past year
1: and uh your your point about you could always go back through and they should have drafted that's why it's so annoying it's like yeah you could have but uh that might have been that might have been my plan uh anyway so well <laughs> Um, Let me get one thing from you, and then we'll have uh, plenty of time to do this. You and I are still going to get together um, throughout the offseason, not quite as much. But I just want you on record now with your Super Bowl prediction. Who's playing in the Super Bowl? Who do you got?
0: Super Bowl prediction. Um... It's
1: very important. Don't get it wrong.
0: Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. God, I don't like their. I don't like their defense though. They they have home field, I believe, right in the AFC. Yeah, I think that's that's the case. I really do like the Chargers, by the way. I really do like the Chargers. Um, but you know they they're going to be on the road the entire playoffs. But they sort of feel like that team that can get hot. I will say, I think the Chicago Bears. Wow. Uh, this might be their year, and they might lose the first round of the playoffs too. But. They their defense is so good. Hakeem Hicks is so good. I mean, he makes everybody look bad around the league. They stop the run. Their linebackers can run. Their safeties are. They seem like they get interceptions every game. Corners are both very good. Um, you know, and and, and they you know, they, and they grind it out in the offensive line. And Trubisky seems to get first downs on key third downs. They've got playmakers. Cohen's sort of impossible to, to defend. They have a really unique football team, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and call it now, the Chicago Bears, uh, 2018-2019 Super Bowl champions.
1: I like it. I like it. I will go with Frank Reich and his beard and the Indianapolis Colts and Andrew Luck's beard will combine for one magical Super Bowl beard wow and
0: they and they will... and, and Adam and Adam Vinatieri
1: and Adam Vinatieri does he have a beard these days I haven't oh my it's like Santa Claus oh really okay I haven't looked <laughs> but you have to
0: that's great it's great
1: it's hilarious. um and I I think they will play the New Orleans Saints in the Super Bowl in a uh, rematch didn't they play each other Saints they did and Saints and Colts so they'll play a rematch and I'm gonna say that your close friend Drew Brees will win and retire
0: you say, I don't think he's going to retire. No way. Yeah, I, I, I say, say he wins he and walks
1: that. away. I, that's it. He is it. not going to walk away. away. That guy walks is going to play till he's 50. He's
0: like the natural. He just He's going to play forever. <laughs> Seriously. He's going to play for a long time.
1: They hand the ball over to Teddy Bridgewater as their new franchise quarterback. That's how it's going to play so, out. All
0: right. Where's, where's Teddy, where is where's Teddy Bridgewater? Legitimately, where is Teddy Bridgewater next year?
1: Um, You know, I, I mean, I think if if I were Teddy... I wouldn't think it was a bad idea to hang around for another year in New Orleans. If if a bad team like Miami is going to give you a starting job, or your Drew Brees is back up for one more year, and then they're going to hand you the keys to the car, I'd go Saints to stay there. But if he absolutely wants to get back as a starting quarterback, the Jaguars make a lot of sense, don't they? It's in his home state. They have a pretty good team there that was really ripped apart by a a bad quarterback. Would make a lot of sense to go to the Jags.
0: I think the Jags makes a ton of sense. Absolutely, mm-hmm. I I think Miami going home. Okay, I believe he's from Fort Lauderdale, uh, that area. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, by the way, the the AFC East is an intriguing. I, you know, I, it does. We'll see what the what happens to the Patriots, but that thing is coming to a close soon. That New England run, you got to think whether it's Tom or yeah. Belichick. McDaniel's probably leaving after this year. You know that thing could all fall apart as soon as the Patriots lose in the, if they lose in the playoffs this year. Gronk could retire, so that AFC East could be and and very soon be swapping over to you know somebody else, and maybe it is that Miami Dolphins football team. They get the right head coach. They're not a terrible team. They got some good players down there. Uh, and they need, obviously need a quarterback. So, you know, that might be a spot because that's his, that's his home city.
1: The, uh, the three other teams that are possibilities, I would throw New England out there. I mean, if they found a way to win the Super Bowl, I don't think they will, but if they did, maybe Tom pulls the retirement and then they need a new quarterback. I think they were interested in Bridgewater. Also, if Eli Manning retires, I know he said he doesn't want to, but Pat Shermer, Teddy Bridgewater, and the Washington football squad, Sage, Makes a lot of sense because it does not look like Alex Smith is coming back anytime soon. And I don't think they're sticking with Josh Johnson and Mark Sanchez.
0: Yeah, that's another spot, too. You know, there's, there's, I think, eight head coaching uh, spots currently available. You know, there's going to be a, there's going to be a quarterback carousel this offseason. You know, Ryan Tannehill is going to go somewhere. Uh, Derek Carr, I mean, Derek Carr might go somewhere. You know, who, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, a mystery right. as, it's a mystery as to what that relationship, uh, with Gruden, you know, seems to be so there. It's going to be a really interesting off season. Uh, the Vikings are in it earlier than we all thought. And, uh, you know, they've got some questions that they need answered for sure.
1: Well, I just want to say, and I know we will get together again. Um, so I'm not going to over compliment you, Sage, but just, uh, it was great, great, great to be able to get on this podcast on Mondays and have you look at the tape too on Wednesdays and, and go through it with you and, and learn a lot from my perspective and I hope our listeners perspective too from your knowledge of the game so I thought you did a fantastic job and it was a huge boost for us on this podcast this year so thank you for all your your hard work on it
0: well I enjoyed it it's, it's uh, I've done some po- podcasts in the past but it was really it's nice to just so sur- really focus on, uh, you know, the Vikings and really breaking it down and obviously, you know, discussing their, their offense this year, which was sort of my specialty. The quarterback has been, uh, an area that people are, are interested in, obviously on this football team. And, and, uh, it is, it, it was a fun year and it helps with my writing for the athletic, which is nice to be sit here and talk for a couple of days. And I usually write on Wednesday or Thursday. So. Uh, it was yeah, a year that we all thought was going to be a little bit better, but to be honest with you, I- I'm not surprised that it ended this way. Uh, I believe I thought they are going to win nine games, maybe ten games, when mm-hmm. we first talked about this early in the year. It is so rare, so rare for NFL teams to consistently win division championships. The league is literally set up for that not to happen. The best teams get the worst draft picks, uh, and on and on and on. And, and uh, so... It's not surprising the Vikings did, you know, win 13, 14 games again. It shows how incredible the Patriots, yeah. who I believe have won 10 division titles, uh, how, you know, Peyton Manning, the, the Colts days, how it was just every single year, uh, those guys, that, those the coaches and those quarterbacks and those teams that can do it year in and year out. And there's very few. Uh, and the Vikings sort of show just how hard it is to have two great back to back seasons.
1: Yep, that is right. Um, you are on record somewhere on a recorded podcast uh, saying just that at the beginning of the year. So uh, appreciate you and appreciate all of you listening, as always, to the Purple Podcast.